1: blog Talk Radio. Driving on that man's wet on the wheel. It's
0: talking in circles.
1: there's the voice in my head that drives my heel. With
0: your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My
1: baby calling because I need you here.
0: And John Harlow. And it's
1: a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caudle with John Harlow as we bring you another great episode. Oh, what are we going to talk about tonight? Not much, right? Wrong. It's been a crazy two days in the NASCAR silly season. Uh, Danica Patrick officially announced she's out of the 10 car. Before that, we had Smithfield going to Stuart Haas Racing. They announced that. Erica Marola out at Richard Petty Motorsports. Bubba Wallace looks like he's in at Richard Petty Motorsports. And then there was a war of words between Smithfield and Richard Petty Motorsports. We'll discuss all that, plus the playoffs. Oh, yeah, forgot about those. They're starting this weekend at Chicagoland Speedway. We'll discuss our picks to get the Homestead in the Final Four and our picks throughout the rest of the playoffs. We'll take your phone calls at 917-889-8280 here tonight. But first, John, it was a wacky, crazy week to what's been a crazier, silly season uh, I kind of gave you the re- runaround here early, but basically it started with Smithfield. They came out and said that they were leaving Richie Petty Motorsports and heading to Stuart Haas Racing. Then it was Eric Amarola out at Richie Petty Motorsports. Then it was Bubba Wallace in at Richie Petty Motorsports. Then it was Danica Patrick out at Stuart Haas Racing. Then it was a war of wars between Smithfield and Richie Petty Motorsports. Uh, Let's start with the beginning here, John. Smithfield, a company that's been with Richard Petty Motorsports since 2012, and Eric Amarola has been there. They've won one race together, and that was a rain shortened race in July at Daytona. Um, What are your thoughts on Smithfield leaving Richard Petty Motorsports?
0: I think as a business, it's a smart move. I mean, Stuart Haas Racing has had at least two cars in the chase pretty much in its entire existence. Um, Tony Stewart ran well, when he ran in the fourth. didn't, um, or he broke his leg then the next sprint car accident with Ward, the and then he really wasn't himself after that. But still, Kurt, yeah. The ten nice. car's been slow, and then you've got the fourteen now with. Clint Boyer and Boston House yeah, junior winning races. But it was
1: Yeah, it's a I think for Smithfield when you look at it you have to say um they're they're going to a better race team. Um I think there's no doubt Richard Petty Motorsports has been, you know, very uncompetitive as far as going to victory lane. We saw him make the chase, like I said, when Amarola made the chase with his win at Daytona. But other than that, they haven't been close. They, they, the year after, they got pretty good there. And they're an interesting team because they co- sort of changed their, you know, uh, the way they do their business. You know, when Smithfield got there, it seemed like the team was ready to take off and get to the next level and win some races. Um, and they just were never able to do that. First, they lost Marcus Ambrose and Stanley Tools – That was the beginning of, I think, the decline of Richard Petty Motorsports. Then they lost Todd Parrott due to a problem he had. Um, And I think since Todd Parrott's left that organization, the team's never been the same. And then all of a sudden, they decided that they wanted to build their own chassis, hang their own bodies. That was the way to go about it. And about halfway, about a year and a half with that, um, they realized that wasn't the way to go. So they kind of retracted, fired a a few guys, promoted a few others within, and they decided that they wanted to align. No Ford team was really ready ready to align with Richard Petty Motorsports this year, and it looks like next year they're going to move the Chevrolet with an alliance with Richard Childress Racing. So they are trying to become, I think these teams in the middle of the road here, like the Richard Petty Motorsports, where they're in the middle of the road, are trying to become Furniture Racing. They're looking at that alliance with Toyota, with Joe Gibbs Racing and saying, we want to be that. We feel like we could be that on our own but still be very good and still win a ton of races. We're seeing it with maybe Levine Family Racing. There's a talk that Casey Kane's going to go there um, and they're going to have a strong alliance. We're seeing it with Jermaine Racing. Uh, that There's talk that they might go there. So it's all very interesting. And I think when you think about the middle of the road teams, It's hard to sell sponsorship when you're hanging your own bodies and when you're running the way Richard Petty Motorsports has run. They had a two-car operation. Then they went to a one-car operation this season after they lost Brian Scott last season. It was a major problem um, now that they're a one-car operation. Doing it on your own, hanging your own bodies, is extremely difficult. We haven't seen a single-car operation make their own bodies and win races in a long, long time. Uh, Furniture Rose had an alliance here for a little while here since Kurt Bush has driven that car. So it's been a long time since we've seen the alliance, a single car operation uh, really hang their own bodies and win races. And I think that's part of it. Um, I give Smithfield credit for hanging with the King, hanging with Eric Marola, hanging with Richard Petty Motorsports the entire time because it hasn't been easy. I don't think this team's been very competitive, um, and I think that's where I give credit to Smithfield because you know, it's not easy to spend millions and millions of dollars to watch a team run 20th every week, and they did it, and they almost re-signed. I really believe that if this sponsorship market didn't come down to the amount that they wanted it to, where it came down immensely, uh, and it became easier to sponsor and cheaper to sponsor a Stuart Haas racing car, that's why they went there. They would have been back at Richie Motorsports if they did um so it's a shame it got nasty at the end there john with the king saying some you know not great words calling bas- basically smithfield saying we had a handshake deal and they're not loyal smithfield coming out and saying rich petty motorsports rich petty's a liar uh, i got real ugly there it's just a shame how the whole organization how the whole uh relationship has changed here now with still 10 races to go in the year
0: I'm surprised uh, Smithfield didn't pull their stickers off of the car after the Kings said we had a handshake deal and Smithfield played dirty with me and all that stuff. Um, Smithfield's poured a lot of money into that 43 team to be average at best. And like you said, Clayton, with the way sponsorship is going right now and everybody is doing anything they can to put something on the cars, because, I mean, you look, Clint Boyer had probably – 15, 18 of the 26 races so far where Haas Automation was on the car. Uh, Danica had to get Aspa Dental to step up to the plate more and Code 3 Associates to step up to the plate more to make up for the move of Nature's Bakery. So Gene Haas is putting a lot of money out of his pocket. He's looking for something to, so he doesn't have to totally fund it himself because he's paying a boatload of money to fund his two Formula One cars. So there's only so much money the billionaire wants to spend. And if he can get a sponsor, uh, and now that the sponsorship dollars have dried down, I mean, are you going to pay um, $10 million bucks to be on a 20th place car? You'll pay $10 million bucks to take a shot at a 15th place car or a 10th place car.
1: I'm going with Stuart Haas. Yeah, and I'm curious to see who the driver is. You know, Matt Kenseth today came out and said, Hey, listen, I'm not an option for the 10 car. Casey Kane cleared his name this afternoon as well and said, I'm not an option for the 10 car. So really the name looking at, you're looking at is Eric Amarola. And there's some rumors that Amarola uh, couldn't leave with Smithfield that Richard Petty Motorsports put into the contract that the driver and sponsor couldn't leave together. Uh, so maybe we'll see Smithfield in another capacity. Like you mentioned at Stewart Haas racing, where we might see him in on the 14 car uh, maybe on the 41 car at times as well. And then go to Amarola in 2019 full time. Who knows how that plays out. But at the end of the day, um, I think it's Eric Amarola's ride to lose and, and what an opportunity for Eric Amarola uh, here's a guy who's like we said he's been at Richard Petty Motorsports for a little while here gosh this is probably 6th 7th season with the organization and this is no more excuses for Eric Amarola now I think you could say Richard Petty Motorsports was a team that uh, was behind the 8 ball every race he was there they had a few bright spots but but not many to write home about well now he's going to a team that's won championships before with teammates that are top echelon drivers with a full car operation. There is no more excuse for Eric Almirola. If he gets this ride, this is his chance to prove he can win races in the cup series.
0: One of the things with Eric Almirola, if you remember what he came up to the drive for diversity program, he started at Joe Gibbs racing. So he was a teammate to Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart knows Eric Almirola inside and out. Tony Stewart was one of the guys who helped, um, tutor Eric Almirola when it came to driving a cup car, when it came to driving an Xfinity car. Uh, Tony Stewart was the knowledge bank that Eric Almirola went to when he was uh, a rookie coming up through the series is through the drive to diversity program. And one of the reasons he never stayed at Joe Gibbs racing is it's sort of like the bubble wall of steel. Eric Almirola is a talented driver. He just couldn't get that funding behind him at Joe Gibbs racing to keep to ever really get a full-time ride. If you look, his first race that he won at Xfinity, he started at Milwaukee because Denny Hamlin didn't get out of Sonoma in time. Denny Hamlin gets there about 50 laps into the race at the first pit stop. They come in, they go to dead last. After Eric, Eric Almirola won the pole, they switch drivers. Um, Hamlin hops in the car, wins the race, but is credited with the win. I mean, that's the way Almirola's career has been so far. Bubba Wallace started the same way as a driver, diversity driver at Joe Gibbs Racing, goes through Kyle Busch Motorsports, and now he's going to end up going to Richard Petty Motorsports. I think it's a good move for Eric Almirola. You can't get a better ride than what's coming out there at Stuart Haas Racing, and I think it's a good move for him. I think you're going to see Clint Boyer make a lot of bacon commercials here over the next year, and I think Clint Boyer and Tony Stewart doing... Smithfield bacon commercials could be funny as hell. I mean, you have the Eric Almarola and Richard Petty doing the Smithfield commercials where Eric's going, and? And the King sounded like the 80-year-old man that he is. I think it'll be funny if Tony Stewart, who, as you can tell, likes to eat, and Clint Boyer, who's the class clown, have them doing the Smithfield commercials. That could be, that could be hilarious and good for Smithfield.
1: And you run better. And I think that ultimately that's what Smithfield looked at when they made this move was they want to be more competitive and you can't really blame them um but you know with Almarola's going to the 10 car you know it it takes somebody out of that 10 car and that's Danica Patrick um Danica came out this week and said that she will not be back at Stewart Haas Racing in 2018 uh she's been here five years John and it was going to get to a point where we knew she was going to have to perform to stay in that ride It was glamorous when GoDaddy was there and spending a ton of money to be on that 10 car, but she struggled, and she still struggles. This year, she's having one of her worst years statistically in NASCAR. She's 28th in the points, Uh, just has not been anywhere close. She had a few bright spots early in the year where she was running pretty good, and recently in the last five or six races, she's been terrible. Um, This is not a good thing for Danica I think when you look at her she might be able to hang on maybe at Richard Petty Motorsports if they can't find Bubba Wallace sponsorship they might sit there and go to Danica Patrick route for a year um, but at the end of the day John this was a deal that Tony Stewart uh, hired Danica Patrick she Haas hired Danica Patrick she brought a lot of money that money ran out and she just wasn't competitive enough to keep in that race car when we look back at Danica Patrick's legacy uh, do you, are you a little disappointed for how she came over here And all the hype that was brought into her from the IndyCar ranks?
0: Uh, Not really. Uh, If you look at all the drivers, there's been a few that have come over from the IndyCar ranks. And only one's ever done anything. His name's Anthony J. Stewart. The only one who's ever run competitively on a full-time basis. A.J. Foyt ran well when he came over, but he, he dipped in here and there. Same with Andretti back in the early days. But Tony Stewart's the only one who ever really did anything. I mean, you look, Dario Franchitti came over. Nothing. Uh, Scott Pruitt come over. Nothing. I mean, there were some IndyCar drivers who thought the grass was greener over here in NASCAR because they're just driving taxis instead of these uh, souped up 235 mile an hour uh, cars. But if you look at back at the old Days of Thunder thing, you've got um, half the weight. And the same size tire in an Indy car compared to a NASCAR, we've got twice the weight, and it just doesn't work out that way. It takes a special kind of person to drive that car. I mean, you look—the people who've come over from those the Indy car ranks can drive anything. AJ Foyt, one in midgets, one in sprints, one in Indy car, one in NASCAR. Mario Andretti, same thing. Tony Stewart, same thing. They're about the only ones. Jeff Gordon would have gone IndyCar, but NASCAR was where the money was. So he came over and did NASCAR before he ever hopped in an IndyCar and never ended up doing it. Um, It's a tough deal. You never saw Michael Andretti try it. Michael Andretti was just as good a driver as his dad was. Um, It just is something you can't, it's not easy to do. Uh, I think Danica brought something to the sport that was lacking. Um, There wasn't a female. She Broke, I mean, she was a groundbreaker. Uh, she broke the gra- glass ceiling. She won the pole for the Daytona 500. Uh, and actually, this year, I think she's run better than she has in previous years. She just gets caught up in every accident known to man. You look at uh, Richmond this past Saturday. She was running really well, 11th place, moving up. And Austin Dillard takes her out. So, I mean, there are a lot of these accidents this year where none of her doing. The accident where Eric Almirola broke his back. That wasn't her doing. It was Joey Logano cut a tire, spun right in front of her, and there's nothing she could do about it. So, one of the things that I thought was interesting last night on Happy Hours with Kevin Harvick, he said, if you remember when Joey Logano was at Joe Gibbs Racing, he was nothing. He was a 20th, 25th place car. Him and Greg Zippadelli never meshed. Him and. Um, His new crew chief, the one that's Matt Kenseth with now, they never meshed. It just wasn't a fit. And when Joey left and they hired Matt Kenseth, Joey went to Penske and was a whole different driver. Maybe this is one of those things where Danica needs a change of scenery. I mean, she was the fourth car at Stewart Haas Racing. You know they're putting their, their best stuff under Harvick. They're putting good stuff under Bush. They're putting good stuff under the 14. And Danica was the fourth car. And she went through four or five different crew chiefs during her time there. So hopefully if she does stay in, she'll find some team that will focus on her and it'll be a good fit for her. And maybe it'll be like when Logano left Joe Gibbs Racing and went to Penske and became a different kind of driver.
1: I really think she doesn't have to. Yeah, when Logano went from Joe Gibbs racing to team Penske. He, we saw the potential with him. You know, he was running great in the Xfinity series. He had a bunch of wins. He was a great driver throughout going up through his ranks. We knew Lugano was going to be a very good race car driver. It just took him a little bit of time. We've never seen that from Danica Patrick. She's got one IndyCar win and in 180 starts in Stewart Haas racing equipment. She has seven top 10 finishes. That is unbelievable. If this was any other driver in NASCAR that's not a female, they're gone three years ago. This, she has performed unbelievably bad. Let's call, call a spade a spade. Now, what she's done off the racetrack, bringing in fan, uh, female fans, all that's fine. And I can understand that aspect of it. But on the racetrack, she's performed very, very, very poorly, whether it was the Xfinity Series Whether it's the Cup Series, Danica has not been good. She hasn't come anywhere close to a win. She's got one top five finish in her entire NASCAR career, Xfinity Cup, wherever you want to put it. You want to give her credit for a Daytona 500 pole? Please. Jimmy Johnson goes out there and tells you that a monkey can can, uh, drive a car at Daytona during qualifying. That's how easy these cars are to drive. We know she has the horsepower. We know she has great race cars. She's always had that at stewart Haas Racing. She ran for Hendrick Motorsports Engines and Chassis for the first four years she was at Steward House Racing and had six top ten finishes. I'm sorry she just did not get the job done on the racetrack. She's a nice girl. She's going to have a great career after NASCAR, but as far as on track, she didn't get the job done, and it's been very disappointing. She came here with high expectations. A lot of people thought she was going to be the first woman ever to win a NASCAR, and she never came close. You want to compare her career to Janet Guthrie's? Janet Guthrie destroyed her on the racetrack. It's not even close. And Guthrie did it in equipment that's way less than what Danica Patrick's been running around in. So on the racetrack, she's been an extreme disappointment. I'm sorry, a huge disappointment. What she's done off the racetrack, bringing in female fans, I understand that. I've said that before. She's been great with her own sponsors. But you know what? The little tirade at Pocono this year was ridiculous. So, And I understand she's frustrated. But... It comes a time where you have to perform and have to perform better, and we have to see you make the next step. We've seen it with Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon's made a little bit better step. We've seen it with her boyfriend, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. We saw it with Logano. Eventually, you have to make the next step, and if it doesn't happen in four or five years, you're out the door. She should have been out the door three years ago because if she wasn't a female driver, she would have been. Um, Let's just call a C to
0: Clayton, I wouldn't go there. It's not because she's a female driver. It's because she had money behind her. Same thing with but, Paul Menard. I mean, but you but watch that's the, the first few reason, years Paul Menard was, the first few years Paul Menard ran, he sucked ass.
1: But the Menard's only reason he got to keep his was Danica. because
0: daddy paid the money.
1: But Bernard, and, Menard's been way better than Danica Patrick. And, and you can argue worse equipment. I mean, Stuart Haas racing and, and, Joe, and Richard Childress racing, I mean, you look at it and you say, well, Stuart Haas is a better race team. They really are. And Menard, yes, Menard is not the greatest driver in the world. He's not going to go to the Hall of Fame. Uh, he's been – he's in much better equipment than he deserves to be in because of his dad's money. No doubt about that. But he's performed better than Danica Patrick. And I'm sorry. Danica has been an extremely, extremely disappoint, disappointment on the racetrack. Um, there's, no, there's no doubt about that. And in 2018, you know the, the performance on the racetrack will be better because she's no longer a part of it. I, I, sorry. That's the truth. The competition will be better because she's no longer a part of it.
0: I don't disagree. I think Stuart Haas Racing, I mean, it was a twofold deal. I mean, if she would have brought GoDaddy type money she had with her when she first came in, and if she could have secured that kind of money, they would have kept putting her in that car. But there was no money to be brought in with her. Then they said, OK, if we're going to field the car, we need to field a competitive car. And that's why Danica Patrick's on the outside looking in and Eric Almarola is probably bringing sponsorship to Stuart
1: Haas. It just won't be on his car. Oh, no doubt. I don't think there's any doubt that Smithfield, um, it depends legally and contractually what they had. Uh, There's rumors that obviously Richard Petty Motorsports said they can't leave without the driver and the driver and the sponsor can't leave together. But, you know, like you said, uh, Gene Haas has been basically three cars out of his pocket, two and a half really with Monster Energy sponsoring half the year the 41 car this year, you know, the 14s had no sponsorship, hardly any, the, the 10s had hardly any sponsorship. So to get even Smithfield, if they do, you know, 18, 25 races on Clint Boyer's car, it's got to be a relief. Any amount of money right now with this sponsorship landscape, the way it is, is way better than what they've had. 917-889-8280 to join a conversation. Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow here with you. I'm talking in circles. Uh, let's talk about Richard Petty Motorsports' future here, John. Um a little scary. I mean, I think they expected fully the way they sounded and the way they talked, they fully expected Smithfield to come back here and uh sponsor this forty three car. Now it looks like they're kind of in limbo. Um, I don't think there's any doubt they're going to Chevrolet next year and be with Richard Childress Racing. I have pretty good feeling that's gonna happen. Bubba Wallace will probably be the driver unless somebody comes and blows him away with a sponsorship deal, which is possible. Um, You know, but without sponsorship, it's hard to say what's going to happen with this race team. Uh, What do you envision for Richard Petty Motorsports in 2018? Do you think they'll find enough sponsorship to continue full time and be a little bit competitive here?
0: I think one of the things you're going to know, you'll uh, get a better idea of it after this Saturday. When Bubba Wallace runs the Xfinity car for Biagi Motorsports with the Nickelodeon sponsorship. If Bubba goes out and runs top five and is up there battling it out with the um, top of the ranks, and I mean there can't be, there's no Kyle Busch, there's no big dogs in there this week because they're not allowed to run the last race before the playoffs or the playoffs in the Xfinity this year. So Bubba's going to have a chance to run against the Xfinity drivers. If he goes out and puts a good showing out there. It, maybe Nickelodeon says, "Hey, we like this guy." He's done well for us. Maybe we'll pick up the sponsorship for him. But if there's notes on that 43 car and Andrew Merstein's doing it out of his pocket with medallion uh, financial, I think it'll be a one year. Let's see how things go. And they may end up being to the point where he's he's he turns into Rob Coffin where he's tired of throwing his good money after nothing and uh, attaches himself to
1: somebody better. Man, I can't even think of NASCAR without the 43 car. Um it's crazy to think about, but I tell you what, right now as we sit in August, it's looking more and more like that might happen. I mean, I don't think this team's going to go away. I don't think we're going to see it just say, "You know what, we're not running um at all." But I think they might run part-time next year. You know, the problem is when you have a charter now, you have to race the full season. They have two charters technically. Now, one's on lease to the 32 team with Matthew Benedetto's car. And apparently they might buy that ch- charter or acquire it somehow. So they'll still have the one charter from the 43 car. Um, but if they can't run the, all the races this year, they're going to lose that charter. And that would put them in a really, really interesting scenario. Now you bring up a great point about Nickelodeon Bubba Wallace, Bubba, a lot of what this sponsorship is, is off the racetrack. You know, if he can sell himself, off the racetrack and be a, an angel to these to Nickelodeon and really sell Nickelodeon and say, I'm a good guy. I'll do anything you want me to do on the racetrack. I'll interact with kids. I'll, I'll take them to my race car. We'll, we'll look around the race car and just be absolutely perfect and a saint outside the race car. Then Bubba Wallace will be in the good graces. Now, absolutely, he's got to run good. I don't know if he has to win, but I think a, a solid top five run could do that. Now, Biagi Dambesi Racing has extended their uh, schedule this year. They're not, they're running a lot more races than they ever have before. Um, With Casey Mears going there with the Geico military sponsorship, Eric amarolo has been running there, but I don't think you're going to see him running in that car anymore since what's happened here in the last couple of days. Um, So Bubba Wallace is going to be in this car, probably for Chicago. I think we might see him run Texas and maybe even Homestead for the Ford championship weekend. Ford will want to get as many cars as they possibly can into that weekend. Um, but Bubba's going to be Richard Petty Motorsports' guy that they have. So I think a solid top five, you know, running with with LH Saddler, running with the Cup guys, you know, uh, or former Cup guys like Allgaier and the guys who are really good in the Xfinity Series, making your presence felt. You know, like we used to, like we always say, knowing you're there, that would be huge for him uh, to show that, show everybody, you know what, I was there, I competed, I ran really good, you know. It's funny we say that. This guy, his last race he ran in, he won in a truck series race at Michigan. And it's almost like you forget. we forget about that because it was such a one-off deal. But do you think that helped him sell sponsorship? Because really, Smithfield, I thought maybe Smithfield was, was sold on that race, but they didn't seem sold on him at all. It seemed like as soon as they started talking about Wallace, they got cold feet and backed out of the Rich Petty Motorsports deal. So this is a big coming up these next 10 weeks, this next off season is big for Bubba Wallace's career here, John.
0: Oh, without a doubt. Um, The one thing about the Bubba Wallace race, though, that he won at Michigan, the truck turned out illegal and it was an encumbered win. So it was another one of those. Did he really win or was the truck too illegal or did he win and the illegalness was something that didn't matter? And that's one of the things I hate about the way NASCAR does these inspections. They need to be able to say that this, whatever penalty was caused a truck to be able to be faster or a car to be able to be faster. I think Bubba is, if you watch him and Blaney do podcasts here and there, he is hilarious. He is a great guy to bring a new crowd in. It's sort of like Danica. Danica brought women to to the show. If you go to a nascar race and i've been to many 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 of them 99.6 caucasian bubba can change the scope of who watches nascar it can be a new audience in the same way danica brought more women to the track bubba can bring more african americans to the track by being who he is and i think he's a great ambassador for the sport right now you look um he's going to be a He's going to be good. I mean, he's a talented driver. He won with Kyle Busch in the truck series. He ran, excuse me, he ran decent for Jack Roush in the Xfinity series. And Roush Fenway has not been good for years. I mean, you look, the only wins they've had in the Xfinity series since Carl Edwards left is Ryan Reed and Ricky Stenhouse. I mean, Ryan Reed's only one uh, restrictor plate races, and Ricky Stenhouse has been out of the Xfinity series for three-plus years now. So, it's not like Roush Fenway's had great equipment. And that's one of the things that I think Smithfield's looking at. It's like, okay, if you're going to be at Richard Petty Motorsports and you're going to keep relying on Roush Fenway for your stuff, and Roush Fenway's nowhere close except for the two restrictor plate wins that Stenhouse has, why are we paying all this money for you to buy stuff from somebody else that isn't as good as the other Ford stuff out there?
1: Yeah, and no doubt. I think performance has everything to do with that. No, I And mean, I think – Um, the change of direction for Richard Petty Motorsports, like I said, they, they had Sammy Johns there, Sammy Johns wanted them to build their own chassis. He felt that was the way to go. Um, they got rid of him because I think the higher up in that organization didn't feel like that was the right way to go. And I think that stunted this team's growth. I think they looked at it and they said, well, that's the end of, you know, once you make that change, it takes a while to change it over. It takes a while for everything to get settled in. And they really haven't been the same since Todd Parrott's left because that team looked like they were very competitive. They had Stanley, you know, Ambrose was, a, was a a very good road course racer, decent everywhere else. Um, they had Smithfield. It looked like everything was up on the up. For Richard Petty Motorsports, they lost Stanley. Then they hired Sam Hornish. Uh, then they hired Brian Scott on that nine car. Then they, you know, and Amarola just, were, the whole time, Amarola never really performed all that great. So uh, at the end of the day, I think it's, comes down to just Smithfield wanting to be a little bit more competitive. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. A couple more things here on a silly season, John. A couple more interesting things. One is Matt Kenseth. Um, I, when I first heard Smithfield was going to Stuart Haas Racing, I'm not going to lie. I thought maybe Matt Kenseth had a shot at that 10 car because I said, well, if they hire him and they get him in, in that 10 car, they will win races. There's no doubt about that. Um, now it's not looking so good. Like we said, Kenseth cleared himself today or yesterday. Uh, saying he's not part of that 10 car next season. He, w- wish- he wishes it was him, but it's not. Um, what do you see Matt Kenseth's future here? We know he's not going to be back in the 20 car. The 77, you know, Barney Visser came out and, and confirmed to KickingTheTires.net that uh, that 77 car is probably not going to exist is, next year without sponsor, because they don't have sponsorship. So Matt Kenseth's rides are getting, his options for 2018 are getting slimmer and slimmer here is it possible one of the best drivers in NASCAR could be on the outside looking in for 2018?
0: It sure starting to look that way. The only car that seems to be open right now is the 27. And I don't think Richard Childress is going to run it unless somebody's bringing a boatload of sponsorship to the table. And it's sad because Kenseth is still a really good race car driver. He has the ability to win races. They've had some bad luck thrown at him this year, and they had points where um, Joe Gibbs was behind everybody because Toyota changed their front end. And while Joe Gibbs was trying to get four cars figured out, Furniture Row Racing was trying to get two, and they actually really focused on Truex more than anything because he's the, he was the bell cow for Furniture Row Racing. So they wanted to make sure he was good. And Cole Pern and everybody massaged everything they could, found out everything they could about the new Toyota front end. And they were ahead of the game. And it took until almost what mid before um, regular season. They've been running well toward the end. I mean, Kenseth has been very competitive. She fourth, and that um, it's really weird. as we. You remember how everything's gone throughout the season. Kenseth. I thought Kenseth was a barometer of silly season because it always seemed that he was talking about what happened. And then the next day it happened that he said, I don't think I have a ride at Joe Gibbs next day. Eric Jones is confirmed as a 20 driver. I don't think I'm going to furniture row. Barney Fisher says, I don't think I have sponsorship. I don't know if the cars would exist. Um, he comes out and says, I'm i I'm not the guy for the 10 car. Uh, That's not the direction they want to go. Next thing you know, Danica's out, Smithfield's in, and a driver to be named later who is all likelihood going to be Eric Almirola. And it's really sad. I think Eric is a good driver. I think Bubba Wallace is a good driver. They don't hold a candle to Matt Kenseth. They may be younger. They may have a long way to go. Kenseth may be on the downside looking at the end of his career, but neither of those drivers hold a candle to Matt Kenseth. Neither of those drivers hold a candle to Casey Kane, who doesn't have anything in the works. I mean, heck, he said to Lee Spencer today that he may end up doing a mixed bag next year. He may run some IndyCar. He may run some Sprint. He may run some additional, uh, run some NASCAR races here and there. Because he said he's talked to the guy at Stuart haas Racing and it like they're pursuing other avenues. I mean, the 95 is in play for uh, Levine Family Racing to partner with Hendrick Motorsports. But... Levine Family Racing is an okay team. I don't know what they're going to do with Hendrick's stuff. I mean, you look, for the longest time, H. Scott Motorsports, and before that, Phoenix Racing always had Hendrick's stuff, and they could never do anything with it. Yeah, and I think
1: what they're going to try to do with that 95 team is do what Stuart Haas Racing was, which was very successful under the Hendrick Motorsports banner. But still, um, you don't know how that's going to be. And Casey Kane's been in Hendrick Motorsports equipment for the last four years and hasn't won very much. So keep that in mind as well. But, you know, you bring up a great point about Kenseth. This guy, I think if you ask the, the race fan, you know, get, name me the top ten drivers, top seven drivers, talent-wise in a garage area. Matt Kenseth's name's in there every single time. Uh, he's a great race car driver. I think when you look at the 2017 season and going into these final ten races, I think a lot of people might say he has a pretty good chance at winning the championship. Uh, you know, like I said, maybe in the top seven to win the championship. And he could be out of a ride at the end of the year. Um, it just kind of shows you the state our sport is in right now, where if you don't have money, you don't have much. You don't have anything. Um, you know, Casey Kane, is. you bring up a good point about Casey Kane. You know, you could sit there and look at it and say, Levine family, uh, yeah, they're probably, I don't know, without Casey Kane, I don't know if the Hendrick Motorsports Alliance exists for them, because I think Hendrick only does the deal if there's an alliance, if Casey Kane is a part part of it. Now I think Casey's maybe weighing his options, saying, "Do I really want to do that full time next year, where I'm, you know, kind of in B equipment for Hendrick Motorsports? Do so I really want to do that next year? I'm not so sure. Um, and maybe I'll run the big races for him and, and plate races where I can be very competitive. And at a smaller r- schedule, we can be very competitive. But do I really want to do that next year? Maybe I'll run IndyCar. Maybe I'll run Sprint Car. So I think Casey Kane's kind of weighing in his mind." What he wants to do, as far as Matt Kenseth is concerned, I, I don't see anything. It's unfortunate for me because I don't see him going to the Xfinity Series. I think he's too good. If he went to the Xfinity Series full-time, he'd beat the crap out of everybody. Um, he's so good. He's still so good, and he can't find a ride. You know, like I said before, and i say it again, I think Childress, I would, if i were Richard Childress, I throw every amount of money I have at Matt Kenseth to try and make my team a little bit more competitive. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen next year but it really is a shame if Matt Kenseth can't find a ride here. Um, the last part of this whole situation here, John, with, with the Smithfield and, the, and, the, you know, and everything was the war of words between Smithfield and Richard Petty Motorsports. Um, Richard Petty, like you said, called Smithfield, said we had a handshake deal. Smithfield came out and made a statement that was really, really uh, interesting, calling basically Richard Petty a liar, that he can't, they can't believe that after all the money they spend that a team would lie about something like that. Um, have you ever seen anything like that in your life? I, w- I was shocked to see that this week with, with Smithfield and, and Petty going at each other like that. I think
0: part of it might've been Richard Petty being really old and um, looking for a, something to say face. Um, a corporation like Smithfield, there's no handshake deals. It's not like that anymore. I mean, back in the day when Richard Petty got STP on the 43 Yeah, there's a handshake deal between him and Andy Granatelli, because that's how they did it in the 70s. Now, everything, there's so many I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed, and all the different activations, and how much money's going to go in, and where it goes to, and which driver that the sponsor has choice of who the driver is, or sponsor has final say over who the driver is, it just doesn't work that way anymore and how richard petty thought he could go up and say oh yeah we had a handshake agreement and they backed out of it without smithfield coming with every lawyer known to man and every perfect statement possible to say oh no this old guy is a little bit off his rocker because there's no way in hell we had a handshake agreement and then go into the facts that we poured hundreds of millions of dollars into richard petty motorsports and we want to be something other than a 20th place car So, I mean, I don't play Smithfield one bit. I don't think Richard Petty should have been talking about I mean, he should have just said, hey, that's how it is. We thought we had something working and it didn't go. And we appreciate what they've done for us all these years because without Smithfield Foods, Richard Petty Motorsport would have been long gone years ago. Because you remember, they merged with Gillette. When they merged with with Gillette, and yeah, when they joined forces with Gillette Everham, and it went down the shitter because um, George Gillette was a fraud. You didn't know. I mean, it was the end of Richard Petty. And you said earlier that you couldn't imagine NASCAR without the 43 car. In reality, NASCAR hasn't had the 43 car since Richard Petty retired. There was a couple races where Bobby Hamilton did really good. A couple races where John Andretti did really good, but that car has sucked since Richard Petty retired.
1: Yeah, right. It hasn't been nearly as well. And Bobby Hamilton in the 90s was great. Uh, did a good job in that car. You mentioned John Andretti. Bobby Labonte was very competitive. Really since the team, you know, the 43 car really changed when it was Petty. You know, Petty Enterprises, people think Petty Enterprises and Richard Petty Motorsports are the same organization. I don't think that's true. I think Petty, Mo- Pet- petty Enterprises died when they merged with Boston Ventures. Uh, they kicked Kyle Petty to the curb there for a while. Um, and I think that took the family aspect out of that team, but they haven't been very good. You're right, John. I mean, aside, you know, Casey Kane won for him uh, a bunch of races in that nine car. Ambrose won a couple of races on the road courses. Amarola won at, at a play track. But I would love to see the last time the, a Richard Petty Motorsports or a Petty Enterprise car won at a non-play track or, not, or a road course. Um, it's, probably, it's been a very, very long time, probably 2009, 2008, when Casey Kane was there. Um, so it's been a long, that was, long, time. And that
0: was before the merger.
1: Right. Casey was
0: there, most of it was, other than the final year, Casey Kane ran for Ray Everham. The last right. year Casey Kane was in the nine. That's when it became Rick Petty Motorsports with, I mean, Gillette Evernham, Or no, Gillette, or they called it Richard Petty Motorsports with Gillette as part of it when they merged them. And then when Gillette, uh, George Gillette went down the crapper, that's when uh, Andrew Merstein came in and bought the assets and they renamed it. Uh, Richard Petty Motorsports anything worthwhile I mean Richard Petty is still the king and for everybody 40 35 and up they still look at Richard Petty as the king but 90 percent I mean the younger generation that's coming through don't have a clue who Richard Petty is
1: they've never even seen race yeah and that's the shame of it all John I think um that's the shame of it all yeah, I, I, that's a shame in the shame of it all. And I'm going back in time here. And the last race Richard Petty Motorsports won at a, at a non-plate or road course um, was Atlanta in 2009 with Casey Kane. Uh, the Pep, Boy, Pep Boys Auto 500 on September 6, 2009. So we're going back eight years already. Uh, and that's you know that's gonna lose you your sponsor and both sponsorships for the the nine car. Um, and the 43. So, yeah, your organization's not going to survive to keep doing that. So, final thoughts, John, on on this whole silly season mess here this week. Um, you know, just uh, it was a crazy two days.
0: I think the sport is even in more trouble than we You've heard me scream and holler saying the sport's in trouble, the sport's in trouble. Guess what? The sport's in even more trouble. If Matt Kenseth, who's one of the drivers in the sport, cannot get a full-time ride because he can't bring money himself to the table. The sport is in trouble. It's buy-a-ride now. The sport is turning into IndyCar. It's doing it faster than we anticipated and even with the billion-dollar TV contract, it ain't working. And that's the big thing I'm pulling out of this week of craziness of silly season. Danica did her part coming in, bringing women to the sport, but never did anything on the track. So it's not like we're really going to miss her. There's a chance you might see the 10 in victory lane, but I don't see anything out of this week other than Matt Kenseth. The seats are filling and Matt Kenseth is still running in a circle.
1: It's crazy. I mean, that to me is the absolute craziness about this whole thing is that Kenseth might not have a ride next year, you know, and that's a shame because we'll, you know, as much as I said, the, the competition on the track will pick up with Danic Patrick leaving. Um, the competition on the track will be less with Matt Kenseth if Matt Kenseth's not around next year. Um, you know, there's still a lot to be decided. still a lot to be hashed out here. Maybe somebody moving somebody out of the way that we don't expect in the silly season gets a little bit more silly and bringing in Matt Kenseth to drive a very competitive race car. But the problem is with him, he's 45 years old now. Um, and you know it's a long time now since somebody's been really competitive into their late 50s only Mark Martin aside from him it, it you know to be really competitive and competing for championships at 51 you have to go back maybe to Harry Gant back in the early 90s before that so Matt's only got a, in NASCAR years 3 or 4 years left in him so it's going to be a short move if you do it um personally if I'm a team like Ganassi uh I might look at him to take over one, the one car but you know Jimmy, if Murray's done fine there he's made the chase so you could say well that's kind of a risky move and it is because then who are you going to replace Matt Kenseth with in three years so it's a very interesting scenario Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. okay John we talked about the playoffs they start this weekend at Chicagoland Speedway um, Chicagoland's at a mile and a half track it'll be out of the chase next year this race will be starting at Las Vegas next year Will the, ch- the chase will be. So this is the final uh, playoff start. I call it the chase. Excuse me. Final playoff uh, start for Chicagoland Speedway here. Um, so an interesting race from that aspect of it. Um, before we get into our predictions, what do you expect to see this weekend? I mean, teams in recent years, we've seen teams test and, and sort of use once they get their wins underneath them for sort the of 48 team, for example. They've kind of used the last you know, six, eight races of the regular season as sort of a test. Now that all changes. Now it is 100% you're going for it, 100%. No more testing. What you've learned, what you've got, you're bringing your best to the racetrack. What do you expect to see this weekend at Chicagoland Speedway?
0: I expect to see more Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Larson. I expect to see a lot of Kyle Busch. But I'll tell you who I think has a lot to look forward to, and again, it to me, it reminds me of 2011 when Tony Stewart won that championship. There's nobody with more to prove out there right now than Matt Kenseth. And he runs great on mile-and-a-half tracks. They've been putting everything together. They asked, how does he keep his team motivated for the final 10 races? And Matt Kenseth said, if I have to motivate the team, we've got problems. And there's no need to motivate anybody because this team is put together well. Um, I see Kenseth go out and win this thing. It's one of those things with this race, they had an all-organization test. So every organization has tested there. I mean, Austin Dillon could be decent at Chicago because his team tested up there for RCR. Stenhouse tested up there. I mean, I think you're going to see a good race. I mean, the track is pretty worn out. You can go high, you can go low, you go in the middle. It's going to be a good race. It's just, has anybody got anything for the Toyotas? I think Kurt Busch has found something in the 41 because they've run really well since the test at Chicago. And they found something there. They've gotten more balance in the car to go with the horsepower that Doug Gates has. And they've showed it in the last few races. But the thing is, as good as Kurt Busch has been running in that 41, they're not close to Truex. So unless something crazy happens... I see Truex still being able to be competitive and be up front. Larson runs great on the mile and a half, so I see him up front. Same with Kyle Busch. It's a matter. The one thing I'm looking forward to seeing is can Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss turn the switch? They've always been able to do it. I don't think they've struggled this much this late in the season going into the playoffs as they have this year. Hendrick Motorsports hasn't shown any speed all summer long. I want to be able to see if if uh, Jimmy Johnson can flick the switch and do Jimmy Johnson, Chad can what they normally do in the playoffs. Uh, Listen,
1: that would be remarkable if they can do it again, because they seem to do it every year. And I think Hendricks really struggled here. Maybe they've been trying some things. You know, we saw some bright spots out of Dale Earnhardt jr. Last week, which maybe they were putting what they've learned inside these race cars to see if it actually worked. Um, and using Dale jr. As sort of the goat for that, because they knew he was so far back in points. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. It. But I think right now the Toyotas are the are team to beat. I think Truex, Kyle Busch you look at, Kyle Larson in the Chevrolet, it's been very strong all year. Those three are, the, are really the guys who have been great. Um, you know, there's, and I do agree with you. I think Kurt Busch is another guy who I think a lot of people are overlooking. Um, that 41, the last four or five weeks has been really fast. Kurt's won this championship. Sure, it was you know, the inaugural championship back in 2004, but he's done it before. Um, and that's a lot more than a lot of other guys can say. Now, Kurt hasn't won a race in a very long time. It's been since last year and probably early last year since he's won a race. Uh, Kurt won this so, year Daytona 500. Uh, Daytona 500, of course. But I'm talking about a non-restricted plate track as far oh, okay. as uh, a non-restricted plate win for Kurt Busch. It's been a long time. And when you think about that, uh, you know, it's you have to win in this chase. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Now two X might be a guy who can get away with that because of how many regular season points he has or playoff points he has. Same thing with maybe Larson. Um, but you know, those other guys who are deep in this playoff field right now, the Kurt Bushes of the world have to win to advance. I really believe that. So he's going to have to win to do that. Um, you know, after, you know, we go to Chicago, then it's New Hampshire, then it's Dover, John, uh, who do you think are the first four drivers to be eliminated here? You know, you got some drivers who won one race and got in, even though they were back in the points, Ryan Newman, uh, Austin Dillon, Kurt Busch, Casey Kane. Uh, you know, they had won a race, but they were far back in points. Who are your first four eliminated here, John, in the first round?
0: First four out for me are Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Because Ross Fenway hasn't shown anything other than the restrictor plates this year. Um, I see Casey Kane because Hendrick has struggled. I see Austin Dillon, just because they have not been decent. I mean, Newman's run well recently, but Austin Dillon has not. And then I see Jamie McMurray. I mean, if you go through the whole thing, Jamie McMurray throughout the entire season has three playoff points. And that's just, you're not going to do anything. I think Jamie McMurray will be the fourth one out. So the first round I have Stenhouse, Kane,
1: Dylan McMurray being gone. I agree with three of those. I'm gonna say uh Dylan, McMurray, uh Stenhouse and I'm gonna say uh there's gonna be a surprise in there. You're gonna see you know, I think you might see Ryan Blaney go. And I know a lot of people are gonna say, What? Are you crazy? Penske's been great. Uh they haven't really shown they have I like teams that are coming in with a little bit of momentum, feeling good about themselves. Blaney I was very disappointed with his run at Richmond. Um, I know that's not his best race track for sure. I hope I'm wrong because I love the kid. I think he's a great race car driver. But right now, Team Penske's been a little bit behind. Um, you know, we, have, we saw Ogano's done recently, not much. He missed the chase. So you might – there's always a surprise in that first round. And I think Laney might be one of those guys. But let me tell you something. You know, a lot of people have come out, and I heard – people in the media come out and praise Jimmy McMurray in that one car this year. So they've been very consistent guys. Watch them. They've been very consistent. But as I said, if you're far back in the points, you're going to have to win. And Jimmy hasn't done that in a long time. Jimmy McMurray can't remember the last time he won a race. I'm not trying to knock the guy and hey, They've had fast race cars this year. That 42 team is second in the points right now with 33 stage points going into the playoffs. And Jimmy McMurray, like you said, had three and he only earned those three because of, where he finished in points. So it wasn't like he was knocking the door down by winning stages and winning races. Um, so he's been a little bit disappointing this year. I think with the way the speed's been in those race cars, he hasn't done enough in my eyes to be a championship contender. Um, so to me, John, that, that's where I feel about that. I agree with you. I think that those those three are going to be, uh, you know, guys we mentioned, the guys we agreed on are going to be very, very, um, you know, Going to be, it's going to be tough for them, no doubt about it. I think Stenhouse, when you look at him, Rash Fenway's been a, a team that has really done well on the road, on a stricter place. We've seen some nice things. from. We've seen Stenhouse run okay in the top ten, but the top ten finishes aren't going to get this done here. Um, and on a good day, Stenhouse, you would say a ninth-place run is a good day for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. So you have to figure he's going to have one bad day in these first three races, and that's probably going to knock him out of the chase. I agree with you there. Um, before we get too complicated – Give me your final four here uh, and why, John, because this, to me, you know, you could throw a dart board at the rest of these 16 uh, in the next two stages and say anybody can win those because they're sort of all in the same platform, but the top four guys that you see going to Homestead and running for this championship, who are they?
0: I'm going to throw a surprise in there. Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch. Kevin Harvick and Matt Kenseth. I don't have Martin Truex in my final four. And I know it's going to take a lot for that to happen because he has so many stage points and playoff points. And I mean, you look, he's a whole race ahead of um, everybody, but seventh from seventh place down. But the one thing I looked at when you're, I'm going through looking at NASCAR.com right now, Martin Truex has five DNFs. Harvick has two. Newman has two. I mean, consistency at the end of the day will pay off. And I got a feeling somewhere in there, Truex is going to have where he blows a tire or at Talladega, he gets caught up in the mess or somewhere in there. There's going to be the race that puts him in 38th, 39th, 40th, and somebody's going to come out and win a race. And I swear to God, I swear Matt Kenseth is going to win some races in these playoffs. I think Kevin Harvick's going to win races in these playoffs. I just don't know if Truex is, I mean, they've had too many. I mean, you look at it, they lead by a bunch, but they've not finished 20% of the first half. I mean, the, of the regular season.
1: Yeah, listen, I, I, it's he's had, he's wrecked more than the other guys, but I think when you look at the season and the speed that seventy eight teams had, I don't think there's any. I mean, I, I'm I give you a lot of credit. I think it takes a lot of guts to do that, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Martin Truex Jr. has been sensational this year. Uh, that team's been sensational this year. They've, you know destroyed the stage wins they destroyed everything and you accumulate playoff points uh through the playoffs you know that might sound weird but you do when you win a stage you still get those playoff points you win a race you still get those points so you know with the way he's run this year especially on those mile and a half tracks that seems to very good i see him advancing in the homestead pretty easily um the team i i think that i think a lot of people are overrating here is that 42 car kyle larson I think earlier in the year, he was a shoo-in. That team, the first 12 races, that team was unbelievable. They were fast as can be. Uh, they were winning a lot of races. They were running up front a lot. I know they just won at Richmond. Um, but to me, you look at it and you say, they haven't been nearly as fast as they were earlier in the year. So that's where it concerns me. And I think Kyle Busch has come in and been really good. I think he's sort of picked up where Kyle Larson What Kyle Larson dropped and Bush has been fast. Uh, I got him and Truex into the top uh, two of the four at Homestead Miami Speedway. Um, And I know this is going to sound cliche, you know, but I think Jimmy Johnson is going to be there in Homestead as well. And I know Hedrick hasn't had the speed, but that team always picks it up. And Jimmy's been there before. And if you, if that team gets off to a good start, I mean, you think about this for a second, you know, Dover's in this first round. He's a lock. He won again this year. Hendrick hasn't been great, but where did he win? Dover. I mean, we've seen drivers dominant race tracks. Look at Kevin Harvick this year. You know, he's a shoe winning at Phoenix usually. And this year when they moved moved to building their own bodies, they weren't that good at Phoenix. It doesn't matter what happens at Dover with Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson's going to be there. Um, He's great at Charlotte. He's great at Martinsville. He's great at Texas. He's good at Phoenix. So, Jimmy's gonna, I think Jimmy's going to be there. I think he's one of the three. And uh, my final one of the four, and it kills me to do this because I'm leaving a Ford out of there, is going to be Denny Hamlin. I think Hamlin's run very well. I think he's been very fast there. The only thing that worries me about this team is, like you said, the consistency for other organizations, uh, the inconsistency, I should say. But I think recently we've seen that team really pick up their speed. I think they're going to be really good. Harvick and this four team. Harvick's a great driver. I, I think he's got a chance at winning a championship in the future. I don't think it's this year. they got to find their speed. So those are my four. Uh, it's going to be Truex, Kyle Busch, Jimmy Johnson, and Denny Hamlin, John. I mean, they're all good picks. And as I looked at it,
0: whenever you said about the Kyle Larson thing, I didn't realize it, but Kyle Larson has more top fives than Martin Truex Jr. I mean, you look at all those races at the beginning of the season, Kyle Larson finished second. Kyle Larson was always there, second place, second place. And they had that little brief spot where they struggled in 15th, 15th, 20th, they had some places where Kyle doesn't run well. But then he came back toward the end of the regular season and put it all together again. He's been consistent. Uh, he's run well. Um, so, I mean, either way, I think either of our four, I mean, I just took a shot in the dark saying, looking at, when I looked at the DNFs, and that's what made me go against Truex, and made me go against Jimmy Johnson, and made me go against Brad Keselowski. All three of them have five DNFs this year. I don't see the consistency to get you through. And especially the way nobody drops out anymore. A DNF
1: means you finish 35th on back. You're right. You're right about that. And and that's what makes these playoffs so fun, is that you know anybody can have a, a, an assortment of drivers. And I think they could be right. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking in Circles today. We'll be here Sunday night after the Tales of the Turtles 400. Good night, everybody.